Hi, and welcome to Operation Adopted, where we explore the individualized nature of adoption. To do this, we have conversations with individuals who have been adopted, also known as adoptees. Whether good or bad, every adoptee has their own story to tell. Here on Operation Adopted, our goal is to provide a platform for those voices to be heard. Hi, and welcome back to Operation Adopted. Today, we have another remote recording with guests with us today, and I'm going to have her introduce herself to you. Hi, guys. I'm Tiffany Seitz, and I was Miss Pennsylvania 2019 and 2020, and I am uh, also a dance teacher in the suburban Pittsburgh area. Hmm. And additionally, I also am a social media manager for a nonprofit, so I'm glad to be joining you guys today. Yeah, well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be able to Come on and be a special guest on our podcast. It has been busy, but I am super excited that I get to be a part of this. So thank you for having me. Of course. So Tiffany, whenever you are ready, we'd love to have you give an overview of your adoption story. Sure, absolutely. So I was adopted when I was two and a half years old, but the story begins much before that. When I was an infant, um, my parents who have been foster parents for a while, I have Hmm. three older brothers that are fostered, but I'm actually the only member of my family that is officially adopted. And when I was born, I was born addicted cocaine positive and I was not expected to live beyond two weeks. And doctors told my parents if I did live beyond two weeks, then There would be just a myriad of health complications that they would have to deal with, a lot of things that would be wrong with me. And, Mm. you know, that just kind of basically rendered me unadoptable is basically what they told my parents. It wouldn't be worth their time, Mm. you know, to salvage somebody like this if, you know, they're already in this worse of a condition to start. So, you know, it it was a very grim start for me. Mm. Um, But, you know... I'm, I'm very blessed to be able to sit here when doctors told me, you know, and my parents that I wouldn't make it to my first birthday mm. that, you know, 20, 25 years later, here I am. <laughs> so, I mean, I consider that to be a huge blessing and, yeah. you know, something that really fuels my passion to continue to advocate for adoption and foster mm. care and create awareness for the topic. I think that, you know, sometimes there is, um, a lot of, there's a lack of knowledge surrounding um, foster care and adoption, how to get involved and what that truly looks like. And so, you know, for me, it's really important to kind of showcase that with my my personal story and how that's been effect, an affect for me. So it's been, mm-hmm. it's been really great being able to be on the other side and to advocate for kids who were in a position or who are in a position similar to mine as well. You were adopted at two and a half years old. Mm-hmm. So do you know when you were kind of put up for adoption in terms of when you said you're unadoptable, were were you able to be adopted during those two and a half years or not really? Yes, I was. And my, my parents were foster parents through, um, an agency in Pittsburgh. And so whenever I was like initially brought to the foster home, which I didn't, I mean, fortunately for me did not reside in really at all. I had Mm. always been really in the custody of my parents because uh, parental rights were, were signed over pretty much immediately because both of my biological parents had issues with drugs and alcohol and abuse. And so, Mm. um, since I was in that abusive situation, that's ultimately what led to me being put into foster care. So, um, you know, when, in terms of being quote unadoptable, what I mean by that is the fact that like my health condition, because I was addicted cocaine positive, I wasn't expected to live beyond my first birthday. And so Mm -hmm. that wasn't necessarily an assessment that was made by the adoption agency. It was made more so by doctors who were evaluating my case Hmm. and the foster care agency that we worked with out of Pittsburgh had, you know, or initially chose my family for me because my mother was a nurse. She worked in complicated obstetrics. So the reason that they 
had suggested my family, aside from the fact that my mom had like three boys that she fostered and wanted mm. a girl for a change. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> part of the reason that, um, you know, they chose my family was because my mom was a nurse. She had medical training. So they thought that she would be a good person to look after me, um, you know, in, in that, in that circumstance. And so what was supposed to be only for like maybe a weekend or a month turned into 25 mm-hmm. years. So <laughs> mm, that's cool. <laughs> you know, an unexpected surprise, but a surprise that, you know, Honestly, has led me to, (laughs) yes, absolutely. It's it's led me to be where I am today and something that I consider to be very fortunate. So I'm very grateful. Really neat. So what made your parents adopt you versus, and you said you versus your, your fosters, I guess technically foster siblings, but I'm not sure. Do you Mm -hmm. call them your siblings anyway? Yeah. 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 They're still my siblings. Um, yeah. So I think that that was, I think that was determined by two factors. One, I think it was their age. They were fostered much older than I was adopted Okay. Um, between, they were fostered between the ages of eight and 13. And I think that from my understanding of the story, they, um, there were some rules set in place that for whatever reason did not allow them to be adopted for some reason. So I don't oh, know okay. if it was a issue with parents. I'm, I'm not exactly sure what it was, but from that what I sense. understand it was those, yeah, it was kind of those two main factors that contributed to that. Yeah. So you've gotten to be in that position of both the fostering side and the adopted side. How does that look from your perspective? Because there, there is a difference technically, mm-hmm. but at the same Absolutely. time, you're, you're so close to them that you call them siblings. It's very interesting. Right. And, you know, it's a great point to bring up because our stories, you know, each of the three of us couldn't be more different. (laughs) You know, I did not experience foster care pretty much at all. I was too young to even remember experiencing that. And Mm. like I said, I've really always remember being within the custody of my adopted parents. So Mm. it was never anything you know, the foster care versus adoption was never really a struggle for me as Mm. much as it was for maybe some other people out there because Mm. I was so young when I was adopted and I never really knew the struggles of foster care. Mm -hmm. But I know that, you know, there are kids that go through that each and every day and I'm sure it's tough, you know, which is why, you know, you and I do what we do. We advocate, we bring awareness Mm -hmm. to, um, this really, you know, special sector of people that, you know, deserve, um, you know, the same things that we've gotten to experience because of mm-hmm. the gift of adoption. Um, but, you know, in terms of my, my siblings, you know, I, they, they come with their own stories and, mm-hmm. you know, I, there's, there's stories that I can't tell, but there's stories that have impacted me and have impacted the way that I, um, the way that I advocate for this particular issue, because I think mm-hmm. that it's important that we share those stories. It's important that people hear, you know, this is what kids who don't have any parents who, are put in compromising situations. This is what they go through and this is what they, they live like. And, mm. you know, I think that those sto- those types of stories are really truly incentives to just continue to, you know, adopt and to foster. I think, you know, all of us come from a common background in the fact that we all came from abusive environments, hence why we found ourselves where we are, but mm-hmm. we found ourselves in the best possible care. So, you know, really it was, even though the situation to start looked pretty dismal, it, you know, it turned out to be something really beautiful and we're, we're right where we need to be. So that's, that's really what's important at the end of the day. Mm, absolutely. So you mentioned before that you earlier that you are, you live in Pittsburgh. Were you born in mm-hmm. Pittsburgh? I was, I was born in Wilkinsburg, oh. same place as Gene Kelly. So <laughs> <laughs> Neat. So have you lived it there your whole life essentially, or have you moved around a little bit? No, we, we used to live in a place called Fawn Township and then we mm-hmm. moved to Freeport. So both are, are north of Pittsburgh, um, okay. you know, up, up towards like the Butler County area. So mm-hmm. didn't really move around a whole lot. 
I'm still in my childhood home. So that's, that's kind of fun. Oh, that's cool. um, but Pittsburgh is really like all I've known. My family mm. and I, we love to travel, but it's always good to be home. So yeah, yeah Pittsburgh's, sure. Pittsburgh's been home for my whole life. So oh, very cool. Yeah. So how do you think the Pitts, do you think the Pittsburgh area at all has affected, you know, you, you growing up and, and how you view things like being from Pittsburgh? Being from Pittsburgh, I mean, I think, you know, even with the traveling that I've done and the experiences that I've had in other cities, you know, I love, you know, Philadelphia, I love New York City, I Mm -hmm. love, you know, um, Washington, D.C., you know, those are three places that I visited over the last couple of years. And, you know, there's something I think really, really special about Pittsburgh. And I think that not necessarily growing up here has made me realize that, but actually experiencing these other places in addition to Pittsburgh as Mm -hmm. an older you know, as an adult, um, you know, has really made me realize that, you know, kind of like Pittsburgh has a very family oriented nature and, Mm -hmm. and we're very close knit and we've got a lot of ties. And I think that that's, it's a really cool thing to observe. So, I mean, for me, you know, growing up near the Pittsburgh area, I mean, I live in a place that's relatively speaking, pretty, pretty rural and and, and flat. I mean, I'm close to close to 28. So I can hop down there and be in <laughs> Pittsburgh within 20 minutes. So that's yeah. not such a bad, that's, that's not nice. a bad deal at all. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think that a lot of the things that I would have realized, I mean, I didn't grow up in the city. I didn't grow up close to the city, but mm. I think I have an appreciation for the city. And I always have any time that we visited because mm-hmm. we're not from there, you mm. know, we, we can go there and we can visit, but you know, at the end of the day, we're not, we're not from there. So, I mean, I think that it's kind of given me an appreciation for, um, you know, kind of an, a new scene and a new experience whenever we visit. So it's really, really nice to kind of have that juxtaposition and, you know, yeah. have that perspective as an adult. So it's not really something that I got as a kid, um, mm-hmm. because I've, you know, I was homeschooled and I, I live in Butler County, oh, but, okay. you know, being able to visit Pittsburgh and to visit some other, you know, pretty big cities as well has been really special. And it's been a, been a cool thing to do in, in my, uh, journey through adulting, as I yeah. like to call it. So <laughs> I like it. Journey through, adu- through, journey through adulting. That's fun. Yeah. It's like truly that. a journey. That is for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that, very fair. Well, you just mentioned that you were homeschooled. Were you, were you homeschooled throughout, I guess, elementary to high school or was it like I, you went, you were, you were homeschooled and then put back into public school or you were in public school and then you were taken out of public school? So I actually, I never went to public school. I went, I did homeschool for the first six Very years cool. and private school for, from seventh to 12th grade. So hmm. the reason that I was uh, homeschooled was because, you know, when they were initially, when I was initially adopted and doctors mm-hmm. were kind of assessing my condition with being, oh, you know, yeah. addicted to cocaine upon birth, they were very concerned about me developmentally, you okay. know, in terms of like, you know, would there be any disorders or abnormalities that she would contract as a result of, you know, being mm. in this condition as an infant. And mm-hmm. so that's, you know, my mom being the nurse that she is wanted to closely monitor that. So she actually mm. chose to homeschool me for my first six years of school, which I have learned and come to appreciate. (laughs) I graduated from high school in 2013 Mm. and Mm. I was actually the second youngest person in my grade. So I could have graduated in 2014, but, um, did 2013 instead and graduated from college in 2017. So, um, you know, I think that that was really influential in in my education, but I'm really glad Mm. that I did it. You know, it kind of 
I think homeschooling, at least the curriculum that I followed, put me put me ahead of the game, which, you know, kind of mm. gave me that edge when I was going into public or um, excuse me, private school yeah. and making that transition, you know, it made it all the easier for me because I felt like I was up to speed. So I'm glad that, you know, we, we did it the way that we did. And, mm-hmm. you know, even though I missed out on, you know, the normal elementary school experience per se in a school setting, whether it be public or private, mm-hmm. I'm glad that I got that one-on-one attention that I needed in order to help me succeed in the school environment that I was put in through middle and high school. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm. I don't think you missed a ton. I. <laughs> I mean, I can't speak. That's what I, I've heard. I wasn't. I wasn't in. I was also homeschooled, so I was. I was that's why I was asking. Nice. Um, for quite a bit of my life, I was homeschooled for my earlier years, and then I was sent to public school. Okay. Um, so I was just curious. That's that's really interesting. You said you were two and a half years old when you were adopted. So how old were mm-hmm. you when you found out that you were adopted? So it's not really something that I ever really like found out and came as a surprise to me. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents are white, so I think I would have put two and two together at, mm-hmm. s- at some point in my yeah, life. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's it's like I've always known. It, I was kind of explained things at a really young age, and I don't mm-hmm. exactly remember what age that was that mm-hmm. I really remember them sitting down and explaining to me what the circumstance was, but Mm. it's something that I've always known. And it's something that I've always grown up knowing. So it was never anything that I was faced with, uh, like this, you know, kind of harsh reality or this thing that would make a, make a shift for me and my family. It was never really like that. So, Mm. you know, I always was grateful for their transparency in that respect. And, you know, even if they would have chosen not to tell me, I'm sure that they would have had a good reason, but I mean, there was no reason to, you know, kind of keep it from me until I was older or anything Mm -hmm. like that. So, you know, they, they really always, you know, reflective of, you know, what, what they love to do and and the reason that they do it. So it's something that I've always known and I'm, I'm appreciative at the fact that I do know it. So you had mentioned, you mentioned during your answer for the previous question that I had asked you that you have no problem, Mm -hmm. you know, being looking, looking different essentially from your parents. Were there Mm -hmm. any, was there anything that you were able to learn from that experience of them being looking different than you growing up what like I would say probably any type of experience I think it has taught me a lot you know one thing and I didn't really realize any of this until I got much older is you know when my mom and I go out places mm-hmm. like people always look at us like they, they they look at us like kind of strangely and it's not everybody I mean you mm-hmm. know but there's like sometimes those few people that like look at you and they just kind of stare for a little bit and mm-hmm. it's you know as if like you know, mother and daughter should look alike. And and usually that's the way that life is. That's, you know, kind mm-hmm. of, you know, it, it's not our, our situation isn't the norm, but mm-hmm. like, it's, you know, it, it's okay because adoption yeah. doesn't necessarily all the time have a norm. Mm-hmm. You know, you can be a Caucasian family adopting a Caucasian child that looks absolutely nothing like you. And mm-hmm. in our case, it's no different. Mm-hmm. It's just so happens to be that my skin looks different than my mom's does. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, that's not something that's ever bothered me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's something that I, I, I don't have an issue with it at all. And yeah. if anything, I think it just, it just goes to show that, you know, like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like w- if you look like the person who adopted you or not, like Absolutely. that's not what the most important part is. The most important part is, is that you are put in an environment in which you are receiving love and you are getting the things that you need in order to grow and to succeed and to become what you need to become. Mm. And that's what I have. And that's what I'm the most grateful for. And that is not, that does not have anything to do with skin color or yeah. race or anything like that. You know, mm-hmm. those things are totally and entirely disconnected from the fact that 
adoption is a gift that Mm -hmm. everybody deserves and love does not know a specific boundary based on, you know, anything that, you know, any construct that we would give it. So I think that that is the most important thing at the end of the day. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I don't look anything like my parents either. So I, Mm -hmm. I definitely understand that never felt, you know, like I never felt like it was a big deal. Like it just, I just, I don't, you know, I don't look like them. That's okay. And it's fine. But yeah, I get that, that the looks and things like that. And it's just helping people understand that and, and giving them the idea of it's, it's normal and it's okay that I don't look like Mm -hmm. them and you don't have to you know, make it seem like I do by saying, oh, you're so much like your dad. You're so much, you look so much like your mom. I'm like, well, I don't. And that's okay. Right. You know, there's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with that. So Absolutely. I definitely agree with that perspective and it, I appreciate it <laughs> as well. So you have such a passion and such a strong voice when you're talking about adoption and it, and it truly shows your adoption advocacy and uh, everything that you stand for in that. I'm curious where it all that started for you. Like, when did you decide that that was kind of going to, that that was going to be part of your path in life that you wanted to do? Because it normally doesn't happen until, you know, you get slightly mm-hmm. older and understand it a little more. It can stem from sure. the beginning. But when, when do you think that yeah. it started for you? You know, I think for me personally, when that began is, I realized and I recognized, and I've had a lot of life experiences that have lent itself to, you know, kind of developing the passion that I have for advocating for this specific topic. But I think for me, when it began was, you know, when you look around and I I realized that even though I'm adopted, I still have a considerable amount of, you know, fortune and and I'm I'm very grateful for, you know, Mm -hmm. the success in life that I've had. But I recognize that, you know, even people as close to me as my siblings, you know, with them being fostered, you know, Mm -hmm. at a later age, you know, they grew up with the pains and the struggles of foster care. And Mm -hmm. those are struggles that I've never known. And so I find myself each and every day to be fortunate that I've never known those struggles. Mm -hmm. I've never known what it's like to go from home to home to home with a trash bag to carry my belongings. Mm -hmm. You know, I like, I've never known that kind of life and I, I will be perfectly honest and transparent about that. So I think for me, that's where the passion kind of stems from the fact that like, there's no kid that deserves to do that. Mm. And I think with, you know, just that kind of in general, I think that there's additionally, when you look at the foster care system and when you look at the, you know, adoption system and, you know, it's very kind of, I feel like it's really hard, a hard field to penetrate because there's so Mm. much that goes into it. Mm -hmm. And I think that the, uh, the, the amount of work that goes into it kind of like might scare people away a little bit. And, you know, at the end of the day, what I try to do and how I try to incorporate what I try to incorporate my advocacy is the fact that on the other side of all those hoops that you have to jump through, whether they be legal hoops, hoops that are required by the agency, like whatever they may be, you know, at the end of the, at the end of that journey and at the end of that, you know, kind of difficult way of making it into it is a kid on the other side that needs love and Mm -hmm. that needs, um, a home, a roof over their head. They need a stable environment. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, kind of like realizing that not everybody has access to that. And, you know, Mm -hmm. in the state of Pennsylvania, there's just over 15,000 kids that don't have access to that. Absolutely. In the United States, there's almost half a million kids that don't have access to that. So, you know, when I think about my story and the fact that I've never known, you know, the pains of what some other kids go through, I think that Mm -hmm. that puts me at an advantage, 
And that makes me all the more passionate about my advocacy, um, in terms of that. But, um, you know, when that really started for me, I remember when I first initially got involved in the Miss America organization, which led to me winning Miss Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. I was in an interview. And at the time I had a different platform that I was, you know, advocating for and one that I didn't really necessarily have a personal connection with. And Mm. one of the judges asked me, he's like, I see on your paperwork that you are adopted. So like, why did you not choose that as an avenue Mm. of advocacy? And that was kind of a question that was like, you know, that's a great point, you know? Yeah. And I realized like, I'm not a person that really loves talking about myself. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't really think I, I like, you know, it's not something that I'm like, you know, I think I'm special by any means. And I feel like Mm -hmm. I want to share this, but I recognize that it's really not about me at all. I think it's the impact Mm -hmm. that my story can make on, you know, other people's stories. And hopefully that encourages people to get involved in fostering and adopting kids and, you know, providing that future for them that they deserve. So, you know, that's kind of where that passion stemmed from. That's really neat. Do you know if that person by any chance had any connections with that or they just kind of threw it out there because it was on your, your papers? I, so I don't know if they had any particular connection. It was actually a county commissioner who asked oh, me that question. That's really neat. And so, you know, he, yeah. So like uh, uh, the function of a commissioner, like, you know, he mm-hmm. oversees maybe some of a lot of that stuff. So, yeah. um, you know, like, I think that that may be what prompted him to ask that question. I'm not mm. sure if he has any direct ties to that, but, you know, really interesting that, so, you know, that was asked to me, but it kind of yeah. changed my perspective on it as well. So I think it's, you know, a, uh, a, a very simple and basic moment, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, but like one that kind of was a springboard for me into mm. making waves into, into this, into this field and educating people and, you yeah. know, kind of making not really a name for myself, but just kind of putting my story out there in hopes that it will inspire people to adopt and foster or get involved in some other way that you can mentor kids mm. and youth who are in the foster care system. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm glad that they asked you that question because you have an incredible story to share and one in which well, thank you. you're welcome. One in which a lot of people I think will benefit from and learn a lot, uh, learn a lot as well. And not just uh, parents looking to adopt children, but, you know, other a- adoptees who have had similar experiences and or want to know more about others' experiences. Right. Which is really mm-hmm. neat. So you have gotten a lot of experiences and you've been through a lot of different major events, I guess I would want to say, because you were Mm -hmm. Miss Pennsylvania two two years in a row, correct? I was, yep. Which is, that's not common, is it? It is not at all. (laughs) (laughs) So that, that in and of itself must have been a lot of a lot of work for you as well but then to kind of integrate you know your passions into that as well what was that what was that like for you to kind of kind of put yeah. that adoption and put it into something that you you do have to put a lot of time into it you do have to put a lot of effort into that and kind of integrate it in a way that it's kind of your I don't want to say it's your baby but it kind of is like that whole idea sure. of what you you, you want that experience to kind of share with the world. Right. So like you said, it it is not common to be Miss Pennsylvania for two years in a row. I'm actually the (laughs) first and only person to do that. That's what I thought. Okay. um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's really cool opportunity, but you know, I think that when, when it comes to that, everything happens for a reason and Mm -hmm. 
I said to myself when I was taking on that second year and when I was initially offered that second year, I was, you know, it was a moment of gratitude for me because I was like, that means that I get to continue to advocate and continue to be a voice mm-hmm. for these, for these kids in foster care for an additional year and to continue to share that story on a platform like the Miss Pennsylvania Scholarship Foundation and through the Miss America organization. It's really, really cool. Um, it's a great opportunity to be able to, to do that and to be involved in an organization that's been so supportive and embracing of that. So hmm. I can't say enough positive things about, you know, the Miss Pennsylvania Scholarship Foundation, the Miss yeah. America organization, and all of the local organizations, you know, for their mm-hmm. continued support in, in me with this endeavor, because it's been, it's been life-changing. Mm. I think perhaps one of my favorite stories to share from my two years as Miss Pennsylvania is I remember meeting somebody at one of my functions early on when I first won back in 2019. Mm-hmm. And I had a very brief conversation with somebody about my adoption story. It was maybe not more than five minutes long mm-hmm. uh, at most. Yeah. And several months later, the following year, I met this person's husband um, and he told me, he said, you know, you met my wife at a function last year and told her your adoption story. And it wasn't a long conversation, but I want you to know how impactful it is because hmm. that led to my wife and I fostering a 17 year old girl. Oh, and wow. when you think about that and, and it's stories like that, that remind me like, you know what, this is why I do what I do. And that's why you do what you mm-hmm. do too. Like you hope that people will listen to this podcast and become inspired and, mm-hmm. you know, want to get involved directly. So I think mm-hmm. it's really cool, you know, hats off to you as well for your endeavors with this podcast. It's really amazing. <laughs> I'm glad to be a part of it, but yeah. you know, just kind of like thinking about the impact that your story can make. I don't even think that we realize at times how impactful it can be. So, you know, yeah. to have somebody come back and tell me that was such a meaningful thing. So I'm really, really I'm really appreciative of that. So absolutely. I mean, you don't really oftentimes we don't, you know, want to talk about ourselves or our adoption stories yeah. with people because you feel like eh, nobody's either nobody's going to be interested or you don't want to feel sure. like you're gloating about your life, <laughs> which, you know, right. you're, and you're not. It's just that this is my life and this is this is something that could help someone. And that's always the best moment when someone comes back to you and says, nobody's ever done that for me. Or nobody's ever right, told absolutely. me that. And, you know, you made a difference in my life. And that one person mm-hmm. is enough. You know, that people right. ask about this podcast sometimes, too. They're like, well, why do you want to do it? And I'm like, well, even if I get to help one person and I never know yeah. that I did, I would be satisfied. You know, that that's, that's mm-hmm. the only thing it's about. So that. Absolutely. I love that. I really, really do. Um with that idea, though, I, I'm curious, and I, I don't ask many people this, uh, but would you ever consider then fo- either fostering a child or adopting a child? Like, has that ever crossed your mind at all? It has, for sure. You know, I think, you know, for me, and I, it's a question I get a lot, and oh, I always it? tell people, like, <laughs> yeah, it, it is. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's, it's something that I, I've thought about as well. And I, I've given it a lot of thought. And of course, you know, like I would love to do that if that's what I'm meant to do, you know? Yeah. Um, I, like, I think it's important to, you know, do what you're called to do. But for mm-hmm. me, I know that one thing I've always been curious about is like, you know, who, who I look like and where I come from and like, mm-hmm. what's my ancestry, what nationality I am. And those mm-hmm. are always questions that I've never really had answers to. And, mm-hmm. you know, got maybe like this, this past summer, because I did the ancestry test, which is really cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. but you know, in terms of that, like it's, it's like, you know, I personally speaking, like I want to have, you know, it's been a dream of mine 
to have my own biological family, Mm -hmm. you know, simply because not that it, you know, not that I'm not grateful for adoption, but it's always something that I wanted to have. You know, I wanted, I want my kids to know, you know, who I am as a mom and, you Mm -hmm. know, I want to be that example to them, but I would also be open to having a combined family with adopted and fostered kids. You Mm -hmm. know, if I can make a difference in somebody's life, doesn't matter if it's biological or not at the Mm -hmm. end of the day, it's, you know, like I've said before, it's all about putting, you know, giving kids an environment in which they can thrive and be successful. And however I can do that, how, if, if it's direct by, you know, adopting or fostering, or if it's indirect by simply just being a mentor to somebody who's in foster care, you know, being somebody that they have like a long-term mentor, because that's mm-hmm. one thing that kids coming out of foster care don't necessarily have, you know, they mm-hmm. don't have somebody that sticks by them for their four years of college. If that's the way that they go, um, you that's know, they, like sometimes it's just like you're, you turn 18 and you're out in the world on your own and that's yep. the end of it, you know? So yeah when we think about that, you know, it kind of like, there's so many ways to get involved, even if you don't, you yourself don't feel called to do foster care and adoption directly. You know, there's still ways to get involved. So I think it's kind of important to like weigh your options there and what, which scenario is going to best suit you. If not both, you know, you can, you can do it all if you want. So I know people that, (laughs) I know the people that do that and, you know, like the more the merrier at the end of the day, it's about helping people. And however, you bet you see that, you know, however, whatever fit is best for you in that, in that respect, then, mm. you know, that's awesome. So, but yeah. it's great that people are getting involved and, you know, just like want to make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Your, your answer is definitely one that I think a lot of people should have in terms of it's what's best for you and how you think you're going to be. And, you know, you have to know yourself before you go into something like foster care or adoption, because it is, Right. And can be very daunting and very, mm-hmm. very, it's a very long process and, and very emotional and it's a lot of hard work. So you definitely have to have either a calling or a passion for it or just know that this is what I want to do uh, before stepping into that role for somebody in their life. Because it is very different from having your own biological children as well because you have a background Absolutely. story before they come your way. So you know, you have to learn a little bit more about who you have in your household before you kind of dive right into it. Um, but I definitely, I, I definitely agree with your answer on that because it just depends, and it depends on that moment and when that time comes to make that decision. You'll make it, and it could be the opposite of what you thought it would be. <laughs> you don't know yeah. until that day comes. So, I definitely agree with that. I mean, my view on that is very similar. You know, you want to have your biological child. You want to have them know your features came from your dad or your features came from your mom. And, and, you know, it, Mm -hmm. it's also the idea, and I don't know if this is the same for you or not, but like the idea of having a heritage and knowing where it stems from, um, creating those traditions for yourself, creating that culture for yourself, you know, that you can have with your family that you pass down from generation to generation. If so be it that your children want children, but <laughs> yeah, someday. But absolutely, that's a big part sure. about you know what that's that's a big part for a lot of people. I've noticed as a pattern, you know, they want to have their own biological child because they want to know yeah. where you come from, which is sure. really neat. And I and I I find it interesting too. You did the the ancestry stuff as well. I did that too. So that was that's something that you figure out at least where your background is. Yeah. 
Yeah. Which is really neat. Have you have you been able to kind of dive into that a little bit more since you took that test or I have. Yeah, yeah. It's really cool actually. So I initially bought it for my dad as a Father's Day gift, but then I was like, Well, this is cool, so I kinda want one too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I did. I took the test and I found out that I'm like primarily Nigerian. Oh, so cool. like my heritage is primarily from like the West, like the upper, like Northern wet, like Northwestern part of Africa, mm-hmm. like Nigeria mm-hmm. and the, the place that borders Portugal. So really, really oh. cool. Very Northern, but I'm also like also 22% European. So interesting. You know, yeah. It's very interesting. So that's neat. Yeah. Yeah. Unexpected. But I was like, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's part of your, that's part of now your cultural background, which is really neat too. Absolutely. It is. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you'd be interested in going to visit those places then? Or have you gone there? Maybe you've already gone there, but I don't know. I've not, I've not gone there. I mean, okay. I am a big sucker for Europe. I love, I would love <laughs> to go there at some point. It's beautiful. I've been to Mexico, but I am not Mexican. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> so that's really like, I've been to Canada. Mm-hmm. I'm not Canadian, but, yeah. um, you know, I would definitely love to, to visit and, you know, just kind of see what it's like. You know, I think that there's, this world is a big place and mm-hmm. one that wants to be explored. So I, w- I would love to, to do that and be involved however I can in that way. But yeah, I love travel. I, I've got a lot of places that I want to go. So why not add those too? <laughs> yeah, might, might as well. And you learn a bit, a little bit more about your background and yourself, maybe. And Exactly. Oh, that'd exactly. be really fun. Oh, Europe's beautiful. So I, I definitely, if you ever get there, definitely go to Europe. It is, I will say that for oh. anybody. <laughs> it's a beautiful uh, place. Amazing. Yeah, that was a, a big trip for me and my, my brothers when I was growing up. So I have three. Oh, very nice. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, I have three older brothers. They're all biological to my parents. They look nothing like me. Nice. <laughs> but they really wanted <laughs> a girl. <laughs> really wanted a girl. Yeah. So they went and got a girl. Um, and we all went to a, on a trip. There's seven flights in eight days around Europe. And it was, I get, wow. I got to tell you, it was the most tiring time of my life. <laughs> But I can imagine that's a huge commitment, but it, so much fun. It was a lot of fun and doing something like that and being able to do it with your siblings is, is really cool um, to do. Yeah, and, I'm sure that's really special. That's um, awesome. Special. So definitely Europe. I went on a little tangent, but Europe, beautiful place. Definitely encourage anyone that is able, ever able to do it. I mean, it can be very expensive to do it. So definitely if you have the opportunity, definitely take it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but Yeah. That's really neat, though. I I love that you were able to do that and take that opportunity to take the test and and everything and do. Was it the ancestry dot com? Maybe I'm not sure which mm-hmm. one you used. Yep. I use that. I think use the twenty. Was it the twenty one and three and me? Twenty three and me. Yes, that was the one that I took. Nice. Which confirmed pretty much what I thought. <laughs> it was ninety seven percent Chinese. And then point something percent of something else. And I don't even remember what it is. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. That's okay. That's terrible. You, but yeah. you know what you primarily are. So that's good. So that's <laughs> fine. That's good enough. But it's really an amazing feat that they can do that just by taking some of your, I guess it's saliva. I guess it's the same thing for yeah. what you had to do, which just sounds gross. But, you know. It, yeah. <laughs> you want to know. And, and that's a really surefire way for you to know because they take that and then they analyze it and then they send it back to you but absolutely it's super cool it's super cool yeah that's people's jobs they look at your saliva to know where you're from (laughs) 
I know. Could you just, could you imagine? What a job to have. <laughs> I mean, good for them though. You know what? And good for whoever hey, came up with that. we need somebody to do it. Yeah. Now I know. Yeah, I'm thankful for those people. It, thank so you for those. If Absolutely. anyone ever listens to it that developed that, thank you because that yeah. is really appreciative. And now I know we, where I came from. So that's Absolutely. always nice. <laughs> But yeah. And you mentioned you went to college. Was it Grove yes, City? Yes, you got it. Yes. Okay, good. Right. <laughs> what was that like for you to go from, because I don't know how far away that is from Pittsburgh. It's about, um, it's so, it's like an hour north of where I live, oh, an hour bad. south of Erie. So it's maybe like an hour and a half, two hours from like the city of Pittsburgh, maybe. Yeah, that area. Um, but it was a great experience. I love Grove City. I love the memories that I had the opportunity of making there. It was absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And it was also a perfect transition from private high school to, you know, oh. private college. I mean, mm-hmm. my high school, I graduated with 15 people, you know, oh, and wow. Grove City really isn't that big. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 15. That's, <laughs> I know that's what a lot of people say. <laughs> um, but yeah, I went from small to like big, you know, yeah. and in my mind, Grove City, even though it's a small college, mm-hmm. uh, was big because there were more than 15 people in my class. We had yeah. 664, which yeah. was the largest class to graduate from the college to date. So oh, back wow. in 2017, I don't mm-hmm. know if that class size has grown or I don't know what's happened. I haven't kept track, but, um, <laughs> a really, a really great experience. And, and again, like I said, a perfect transition from private school. Hmm. Um, you know, it was really nice. It's a, a faith oriented, family oriented environment and mm-hmm. one that I'm grateful that I got to experience. So yeah. it's, it's really, really cool. And it's a great school. I majored in entrepreneurship when I was there and I'm in communication and oh, cool. yeah. So it was really, a really like two very like different, like different disciplines, but mm-hmm they were complementary to each other. Yeah. I initially started out as a communication studies major mm-hmm. and I made the switch over to business after taking a principles of marketing course, like the spring semester of my freshman year. Mm. And I'm very glad that I did. Um, you know, I think that at the end of the day, business was more suited for me and my personality, but mm-hmm. you know, the communication goes hand in hand with it as well. So, Absolutely. you know, it's, it equally as important. So I'm glad that I got to study both. Yeah. So what was your, what's your long-term goal? Like for what you want to do with that entrepreneurship and that communications aspect of your degree. Oh, that is a loaded question. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, I think that th- one thing that people always say is like, it's a loaded question to know what you want to do at 18 years of age. And, oh, like, you don't I need to know, know that. And, you know, quite honestly, at 26, I don't know if I know, you know, um, yeah. still. But one thing that I love and that I've loved to do, I have grown up dancing like my whole entire life. And mm. one thing I'd love to do is just own my own dance studio. That's a lot of the reason that oh, I majored wow. in entrepreneurship cool. um, because like that's what I love to do. And to be able to run your own business, like entrepreneurship is a very versatile discipline mm-hmm. and is a very broad discipline. So you can literally do anything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't it, like entrepreneurship makes you kind of like. I don't want to say jack of all trades, but it really Mm -hmm. does. Like Grove City's program, I think, makes you a master of all trades, you Mm -hmm. know? So to be able to run a business yourself and be self-sufficient on that was something that was really important to me, which is why I pursued entrepreneurship. But, you know, long-term goal at some point, I'd love to have, you know, a dance Dance studio studio. of my own. But additionally, I'd love to incorporate my advocacy in that, you know, if there are kids who are in foster, who are fostered or adopted or want to dance and have an interest in doing that, you know, kind of to give them a break and, you know, let them take class. I think that that'd be a kind of fun thing to incorporate. So I don't exactly know long-term what that looks like, but, um, you know, it's something that I think of often and it's a part of, part of my goals. So yeah. Awesome goal. I love that goal. Where did your love for dance stem from? So I've been dancing since I was two years old. 
Oh, wow. And, um, yeah, so it's been a long time, but I've really, it's, it's something that I've always really, really loved. I mean, I, I started out doing it and I was actually, I started on the younger end had, I was very young that I had to have permission to start as early as I did, but you know, I'm very grateful that I made this start and it's just something that I've always stuck with and Mm. something that I always loved. I did a lot of things growing up. I played baseball. I played basketball. I did softball, but like, you know, again, like there's just like, when you know, you love something, you know, like, you know, and Mm -hmm. that for me was dance It all. It didn't take long for it to click. I just really enjoyed it. And now being on the other end, I teach at a studio in Saxonburg, you know, being on the other side of it, teaching other kids to love dance and to be passionate about what they do is, you know, something else as well that I've really, really enjoyed. So I I find myself to be very fortunate to be on the other side and to continue to share Mm -hmm. that love of dance that I have now with the upcoming generation. That's really, that's a wonderful story about dance. I I love dance too. So that I always enjoy hearing people's stories when it comes to dance. So what do you think one of the biggest challenges or the most difficult experience you may have had throughout your life has been? Well, I think, you know, for me, like something difficult, I think that foster care and adoption, it comes with its perks, but it also comes with its share of hard times. And for me, those hard times were watching somebody close to me that I loved deal with substance abuse. And I had to watch it as a child. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't drink alcohol at all. It's not really something that interests me or something that I've ever had an interest in. And part of the reason that I don't is because, you know, I had to watch somebody who was very close to me kind of deal with an addiction in that aspect. Mm So it's very hard for me, you know, to like think about that environment and think about enjoying something like that when it brought so much pain Pain. and grief and strife to my family, Mm. watching somebody have to deal with that. But additionally, I had another sibling, um, you know, one of my three siblings, he was a victim of child sexual abuse. And, Mm. uh, unfortunately as a result, um, he passed away of cancer when he was my age, he was 26 years old and he passed away, I think maybe almost, almost 20 years ago. So, um, you know, if he were still living, he'd be, you know, about 46, um, mm-hmm. 47th birthday would be this coming April. So, oh, wow. you know, just kind of like, I would say that those were two very difficult things for my family and I to go through and to deal with, but Absolutely. just because they're difficult doesn't mean that they don't shape you and doesn't mean that they don't make you better coming out of them. Oh, absolutely you know, not. it was yeah. as hard as it was, you know, you, you gain a great deal of strength from dealing with strife mm. and with hardship. And so ultimately I'm grateful that, you know, I was able to take some positive energy from those, mm-hmm. um, from those life experiences and mm. input it into what I do and, you know, um, just kind of fueling that continued passion for foster care and adoption. So, well, you may have already answered this. I was going to ask this next, but what do you think the biggest thing you've learned from your adoption has been? It's very telling. I think it's kind of the theme of the advocacy that, that you and I do is that we mm. see that there's so many kids that are in need and I think the biggest thing that I've learned is that, you know, you can't be afraid to share your story because you never know who it can impact. And I think for me, even though I don't really love talking about myself and, <laughs> you know, kind of like, you know, living in the spotlight per se, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I see that, you know, me sharing my story and being transparent and vulnerable about that mm. has brought a lot of awareness to a topic that's important to me. So mm. the reason that I keep sharing that story and reasons I keep doing things like this and, you know, being able to talk about it openly and freely with people who can relate and even people who can't, mm. um, you know, it really is 
kind of a remarkable thing to just watch how that story can inspire others. And, you know, there's so many stories out there like ours and different from ours that are doing an equal amount of impact and shaping and and educating. So, you know, just, I think, you know, continuing that, that education of like, you know, look at what this can do and, Mm -hmm. you know, look at how, it's, it's just, it's awesome to watch the the result um, mm. and what happens from you, you know, sharing your story in that respect. So absolutely. I'd say that that's my biggest learning lesson and my biggest takeaway. Cool. So if I asked you what the word adoption means to you, what would you say? I would say, you know, it means, I, I think it's open to interpretation for everyone based off of their personal experience. But I think for me, adoption is a sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. And you've, you've found love and you found your home and you found where you fit. And I think that that's kind of, I think that's the best part about it is that it's like, it's, it's like, it's new life, honestly, is, is kind mm-hmm. of what I think about it as, you know, yeah. I think coming from where I come from and where I am today, I never would have been, I, I wouldn't be where I am today without the gift of adoption. So when I think about adoption, those are the things that come to mind. What piece of advice would you give someone looking to adopt a child from your perspective of how it was for you? I think the piece of advice that I would give is simple. I just say, go for it. Mm. At the end of the day, you know, like I said, there's a lot of hoops that you have to jump through in order to become certified, in order to become a foster parent, in order to be considered for adoption. There's a lot of things that you have to go through, Mm -hmm. but every bit of those things are worth it for Mm. what's on the other side. And what's on the other side is somebody, you know, it's not just Mm. a thing. It's not a number. It's a person. Mm -hmm. It's a person who doesn't have but they still need, Mm. and you are what they need. So when we realize that, and when we put that into perspective, I think that that's like the best advice I can give is that you are going to make an amazing and immaculate difference in that person's life Mm. because they are a person and they deserve love. They deserve care. They deserve to be successful. They deserve to go somewhere in life and not saying that you need to be fostered or adopted and able to do that, but it gives you a direct resource in order to be able to do that. So I think that the biggest piece of advice that I would give to somebody is just go for it, you know, um, don't hold back and don't be afraid. Mm. You know, it will happen exactly how it's meant to happen. And you, you, if you have the right amount of support behind you, then you will go far for sure. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Tiffany, for joining us today. Really appreciate it. And again, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day and your busy schedule to be here. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad, Elizabeth, that I was able to join you today. It's been a pleasure talking with you and it's been, and I'm I'm glad we finally found time. That's the best part. (laughs) Uh, So I apologize. I've been so busy, but thank you so much for being flexible with my schedule and everything like that. But it was a great time talking to you, talking to you today and just hearing your story as well and just keep up the great work. And I'm, I'm really excited to see what you continue to do. So I'm I'm excited. (laughs) Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Sure thing. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back again in two weeks with another story to share.